Hello, all of our friends all around the world who are listening to the Hope Podcast by Stories of Home. And tonight we will be continuing the life story of a very inspiring woman, a woman of faith, a woman whose life is an evidence or a demonstration of God's grace, and a woman who found purpose whether or not motherhood came. I bring you the table, Gogo. tell me tell us about the uh, 2010 so I, I remember in in um you you once said that in 2010 when when you were faced with a life-threatening situation you were told by the doctors to pray and then uh, there you said that you had you had lost god's phone number could, could you tell us um how that <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Where did you yeah. what, what happened before then what um if you could just guide us through why did you lose God's phone number being a person of faith <laughs> okay so prior to that time I'd had two fibroid surgeries I had an IVF that failed I had a stereoscopy you know so after all of that I started bleeding heavily and my my fertility specialist then said to me that i had to do a laparoscopy so i i decided to go for the laparoscopy because i'd had quite a number of surgeries because apart from the ones related to fertility i'd actually had um two other surgeries earlier on related to some something else where i had an out-of-body experience you know, I practically died and the doctors had to bring me back to life. That was in 20, 20, uh, 2004 after my father died. And, you know, Jesus is real. Fast forward six years later, you know, I went for this laparoscopy, which was a 45 minutes procedure. And when I got there, okay, prior to that time, we had my husband and my two sisters we traveled to the philippines to visit some pastor friends of ours and on our way back we stopped in dubai and i bled to the point that i soaked a chair i didn't even notice so the 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 dysmenorrhea of that extent is called a silent killer because somebody could be losing so much blood I, i became so anemic I didn't even notice, you know, that it was that bad. So immediately I came back, my husband said, no, you have to go and see your facility specialist and find out what exactly is wrong. So she recommended a laparoscopy. Now, she referred me to a hospital, uh, a Catholic cottage hospital that had just received a laparoscopy, you know, machine. And maybe they were doing the trials. I had no clue. So, but when we arrived, something strange happened. When we arrived back from the holiday, the first thing that I I got in my, the impression I got was to go on a fast. And I was like, what? Anyway, I decided to go on a fast. So the first day of the laparoscopy was my last day of the fast. 
and I got there. And when I got there, I had another impression to call my two sisters. Sister, my big sister decided that she was going to come and join me in the hospital. So she came. And before I went in for the surgery, I said to them, I said, look, this is my medical history. I don't want you operating on me. They said, no, nothing was going to go wrong. And they asked me to say a prayer before um, they started the procedure. So I said, God, my life, my times and my seasons are in your hands. Guide the hands of the doctor, you know, and all of that. And that, this was like early afternoon. When the next time I woke up, it was, it was obviously late at night. Immediately I knew I had had a surgery, a major surgery at that. Because I had tubes in my nostrils. I had, you know, because I had two fibro surgeries, I knew I had plaster on my tummy, you know, and I was shouting, no, 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 this is not what I... I asked them to do. And my sister, my big sister came and held me down. She said, you just had a major surgery. I said, I know. She said, how did you know? I said, I just know. You know, so the the doctor came in and, you know, and started talking that, you know, um, they almost lost me. They had to do an emergency surgery, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cuts a long story short. The bottom line was the hospital lied that I had um, a gangrenous intestine, which was not possible because even if you have a gangrenous toenail, mm. my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, had a gangrenous leg and the pain is so was so excruciating, they even had to give her morphine injections. Eventually, that leg had to be amputated. So for me to have a gangrenous intestine, I took my foster brother all the way to India for um, a kidney transplant. I came back, went on holiday with my family to the Philippines, went to Dubai. It's not possible. Anyway, but that was their story. Now, the pain, I mean, if the pain was so much, it was like soldier ants were eating up my intestines. And I told my sister and my husband that, you know what, I'm just tired. They should just let me go. I want, I just want to die. I'm tired of all the, you know, like they would say in Nigeria, all the wahala, you know. And they were very upset with me, obviously. This was on a Sunday, and then um, a couple of days later, I think that was on around 3 a.m. I'll never forget it. I kind of woke up, and I saw it wasn't a bright figure. It wasn't like the experience I had in Bonnie That's Island, it. where I had the out-of-body experience, and I saw Jesus. This particular time, it was like a dark figure, you know, mm. and the figure was like, come, let's go. And my sister, because my breathing wasn't so very good, so my sister said sometimes, even to make sure that I was really, really breathing properly, she would put her head on my chest. Mm -hmm. So she said she heard me mock that. 
clearly this time around I was very clear I said I'm going and she she ran to my bed and like going where are you going to I said this is Fico calling me and I'm going to. she said you're not going anywhere you know so she quickly called I said call my husband call my sister and let me say my goodbyes so she said I'm not calling your husband it's 3 a.m in the morning I'm going to call uh, immediate um, my immediate elder sister so she called that one and I think she just finished a prayer session with her pastor and the pastor was still on the line on the other line so the pastor spoke to me and said he said well I hear you want to go where are you going to I said well I really don't know but I woke up and this figure was calling me to come with it so he said you said to them that on Sunday that you were tired of this world and you wanted to die. And I said, yes, I did. He said, do you want to die? I said, not really, but the pain is so much. And he said, would you repeat after me? I will live and not die. And I will stand in the congregation of the righteous and I will testify of the goodness of God. And that was what I did. And only, I don't know what happened. All I know is that my body was jerking. I was so cold. But my spirit, man, it was like a life wire. And I kept, you know, all the scriptures that I knew, they were just popping up, popping up, popping up. My sister tries to get the nursings, my veins collapsed and everything. Eventually they were able to find a vein on my foot and they gave me, I can't remember the name, but I mean, any medical doctor listening would know um, the kind of injection they gave to me. And they gave me that injection to stabilize me. The next day, they uh, they they um, transfused me with blood, and then about a week later, they discharged. But when I went back home, I wasn't myself. My stomach was bloated, my veins were jerking, you know, and I wasn't getting any better. So my younger sister who was with me at that time said, you know what, I think you should go to the hospital because you're not getting any better. You've done all these surgeries before. And when you come back, you know, normally I come back and I have a very good attitude. I'm up and about in time. But this time around, I was just getting sicker and sicker, you know. So when I got to another hospital, the normal hospital that we go to, Reddington, is right there in Lagos. They said to me that they said, well, you have an infection, you know. We don't know how far the infection has spread. So they did a scan and confirmed that there was an infection. And they, because they didn't know how far the infection has spread, they had to do an MRI. They did the MRI. And they said, look, you have to do another surgery. This was like two weeks after the other surgery. You have to do another surgery, you know. So um, they said, when do you want to do it? I said to them, as soon as possible. But immediately the doctor left. I only had had enough. I was just, that was the first time I really cried. Not because I didn't have a baby or anything, but I was like, just too much. I started wailing. I said, God, what is all this? I'm sick and tired of all of this, you know. And I was just crying and crying. 
and I called a friend of mine and I said, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. She said, look, you know, there's a question I asked my young people recently. I said, who encourages the encourager? And she said to me, the table stops like that, you're dying, you're not dying. She had to fly from um, Bonnie Island to, to Lagos to come and see me. Said, you're not dying. Who told you you're dying? Anyway, so it was in that state and I was in that state and then they scheduled the surgery. The day before the surgery, my veins collapsed again. That's in this second hospital. So they had to rush me into theater, did a deep cut, put the um, tubes right straight into my veins and prepped me for surgery. On the day of the surgery, my stomach burst open and I was smelling like a septic tank, oh you know. And they had to rush me into theater. I was in the in the theater for like five and a half hours. I was transfused with four pints of blood, you know. And after the surgery, for the next three weeks, it was a battle for my life because I was I was throwing up every thirty minutes. I was going to toilets every life I had diarrhea I was just on on um, on uh, uh, um, on fluid that's um, what do they call it drip I was just on drip um, the sight of the because they had to tear my stomach open the stomach I had fluid coming out of my stomach I was in a total mess oh my god yeah, I was in a total mess and I'd lost six kg in six weeks. You know, it was like one kg for each week, you know. Was, I was really pale and everything. I, I, I and experiences would have pushed you to say, look, I can't even talk to God about this. I, I gave up. I don't have God's number. Because the, you said that it was not even in all of your experiences so far. It was not even that part of not having had a child that shook you this much. Instead, it was all of these things you in this short space, all that you had had to face, all that you had had to yeah. experience, being so close to losing your life and being tired of even staying to fight, that pushed you mm. that you had never done before. And but but and, and then Korea. In the period of all of this, I mean, I in my note I I have written that 2010 still was was a gift for you. Why do you do you do you would you describe it the same way that I have described it? Because you had well, not at the time though, not at the time. You know, there's one of my favorite quotes is actually from Steve Jobs: "The dots don't connect." Looking mm. forward. The connect looking backwards. Yes, we did. So, because during that period, I had three weeks to prepare for my obituary, oh my and God. I kept writing. You know, I I wanted to think. Okay, since the doctor said I should pray, there was really no hope because they were trying everything they could and it wasn't working. And I tried to write. Oh, we regret to announce the passing of our of our wife you know um sister friend you know it didn't sound right why mm -hmm. because at the age of 15 
there was a book I had read, The Cross and the Switchblade by Bruce Wilkinson, you know, about a gang in New York and a young pastor who eventually set up like a community center and everything. And I said to myself, when I grow up, I'm going to have something like this. And I'd had an encounter with some of my classmates who at that time was, who at that time were uh, advocating for premarital sex because according to them if if you don't have sex with a guy you would have a disease and i realized at that time that there were lots of teenagers who would you know get into the wrong thing simply because of peer pressure and also because of um ignorance you know the scripture says that my people perish for lack of knowledge so i had had made that promise or commitment to my 15 year old self that I was going to set up a community center. Fast forward 2010 and I was dying. And it was like, I saw the 15 year old me saying, so where's the community center? Where are all the things that you said you were going to do? And I remember when I was about 18, I'd written a poem and in that poem I wrote, I don't want to leave my my name in the sands of times because it will be washed away. I want to leave my name in the memories of people because it will last forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to think of how many people would remember me, how many people would know that I passed this way if I were to die now. And I knew that the 15-year-old me was not happy with what I had had become of me. I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I wasn't living my dream either. So I didn't say to God, I just said to myself, if I do leave, I'm going to just go ahead and live my dream. You know, because being a lawyer, I had a master in law. My heart's desire then was to become a lecturer and all that. And then, of course, having to move with my husband from one of because they would transfer him and I would move and I would have to look for something to do there, you know. So I just told myself, enough of that moving from one place to the other and then looking for something to do. I'm just going to follow the dream that I had as a 15 year old. At that time, to quite honest, Emily, I wasn't reading my Bible, I wasn't praying, I was in a total, you know, face off <laughs> with God, you know. So, but God was so wonderful. I, 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 I tell people that God was just busy gossiping about me. Good gossip it was telling people to pray for me, unknown to me. Those missionaries, you know, and that's what I tell people, you can't outgive God. Those yes. same missionaries that we donated to, they didn't know what was happening, but they said they had, you know, a spare in the spirit to keep praying and praying for me. So many people were just praying for me without even knowing why they were praying for me at that time, you know. Oh my God. So, eventually... Uh, uh, mm drug that they said that was the last resort why because apart from some of the other challenges that the, the side effects that the drug had it could lead to a memory loss 
that was yeah. the risk that it would lead to a memory loss. So when they tried everything, it didn't work. They came to me and they said to me, this is the only option that we have. This antibiotic is, uh, is, is the strongest antibiotic that we have. And in your fragile states, if we're not careful, you could have a memory loss. Okay. At that time, God brought a young doctor who was attending my church. And he said, you know, you have a great attitude. By any chance, are you a believer? I said, yes, I'm a believer, but right now, I've lost, that was when I said, I've lost God's phone number. And he said, you better, <laughs> you better get it back, you know. So he brought a little book on healing by Charles Chaps. And he gave it to me. And he told me to tell my husband to, to bring my Bible. And my husband brought my Bible and I started praying, started reading the word of God and, you know, and reading that little book over and over again. And I told them, I said, okay, bring bring the drugs, let's try it. And within a space of five days, you know, all this um, diarrhea throwing up and everything, you know, started abating and oh. eventually, mm. yeah. Yeah, eventually, uh, while I was still in the hospital, there were these friends of ours who, mm were staying with us when we were in Lagos. They eventually found their own apartment, but they realized that all through that period, they couldn't get me and they couldn't get my husband. Eventually they got through to my husband and my husband told them what had happened. And so they came to the hospital. So when they came to the hospital and they saw me, first thing I said to them, I said, look, I'm looking for someone who can incorporate in a, a nonprofit for me once I get out of here. Wow. You know, so it was almost as if providence, you know, people would say it's providence. God was orchestrating everything. You know, like I said, all things work together for good. God was orchestrating everything to make sure that things fall into alignment. So they said, oh, we know somebody, we have a close friend who can do that for you. But I only, it took me like one year after the six weeks ordeal to be able to you know, begin to get myself back together, oh. you know, okay. and, um, yeah, I got Spiritual Foundation registered yeah. in uh, October 2010, and then in February, I had my final, um, test to clear me, because with, with the way my body had been so badly traumatized, yeah. my markers were up so they had to keep sending it to pathway in the uk and wow. then eventually the markers came down and they felt okay yes right now you're you're good to you're good to go so we oh. started you know, operations for keeping into a foundation in wow. 2011 february the 5th this is this is wonderful, um, Auntie Bita. Um, just seeing seeing your journey, hearing your story, and then just saying, I mean, I'm I'm so certain that the 15 year old you who is living inside of you now would be so proud, so grateful for for, yeah. you, for where you are now, for keeping her dreams alive, and for yeah. 
making out of what would have been the most devastating experience of your life, making out of it、mm-hmm. a push to do something, to make something,、mm-hmm. to make something for others who would come to know you. And I mean, this this is it, it is it is an inspiring thing to hear. To see how sometimes it's in these very low, very deep moments of our lives that we get the the highest and clearest senses of where we where we really could be and what what we could make of of the experience we have seen so far. So I am grateful to God for you. And then if, I, I I sense that keeping it real is now twelve years old. Yes, we are. And, and then you have done so much. I wish we had time to talk about what you've done in in this time. So Auntie Tebo has a、uh, has a community center. You have you have worked with persons with disability, advocating for them. Even you have worked at pre at the prison. You have distributed thousands of books, created book clubs with 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 different kinds of kids. Worked with strict kids. You know, just、mm. in. Imparted, impacted, and invested in the lives, and there's something you said which I, I even, which I, I I'm holding on to, which is that you, you said that we shouldn't even feel sorry for these kids who are in very、um, unsettling situations. Instead, you know, we should this, and if we want to do something important for them, we should invest in their lives,、mm-hmm. and that is doing.、Yeah. You you have taken you have taken the the lemonade as people would say and made lemon、uh, taken the lemon out of it、mm-hmm. taken the difficulty and made dreams and purpose out of it and I am grateful to God for this for you. Let me ask you one one final question and then and then、um, I will let you decide to take more of your time.、Um, so looking through all of all of these years.、Um, Right from when you were a child up until now, you have had to overcome in faith, you know, with faith, um, um, in 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 every form of your life. What would you? How would you describe? I mean, if you were an audience in your own journey, your your journey, and when you when people. Of you, or see where you are, or see you hear of your story. What would you want them to hear, to feel, to know through your story and your journey? Fortified by grace.、Mm. I actually wrote a book when I turned forty-five. Fortified by grace.、Oh, On this journey. I have seen the fingerprints of grace, the tapestry of grace, you know, and 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 grace is is the spirit of God, is the ability of God in us that gives us energy, enables us to go through all kinds of situations and circumstances, and that's what I want people to see. I want them to see a woman who did not bring shame to God. Who did not? Who, who judged God faithful in every circumstance and situation of her life, you know, and who realized that, you know, it is the grace of God that has brought her thus far and will take her to the end of her days.、So、it's just like what I said. My birthday was was on Tuesday,、oh. and what I said, 
Yes, I turned 52 on Tuesday, 4th of April, you know. Really? And what I, what I said to them is, the young people, I said, I want Christ to be fully formed in me. I want to be spent for God. And on my epithet, I want to be written, this is a woman that was spent for God. This is a woman that was spent for God. And, you know, just living a life that brings brings all the glory to God. Because the truth of the matter is that at the end of it all, I have had uh, at least three death experiences. And for anybody who is listening, I just want you to realize this. When you are dying, you're not going to say, oh, what about the last contract that I did? They haven't paid the money. Or you're not going to think about all the money you have in the bank. You're not going to think about your jewelry. You're not going to think about any of these things. What you'll be thinking about is legacy. What you'll be thinking about is where exactly am I going to? You'll be thinking about how has my life influence people how has it impacted people have i lived a life that you know um glorifies god would anybody remember that i ever came this way you know you'll be asking existential questions yeah you know you wouldn't be thinking about okay the last job or the 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 (laughs) the last paycheck you know, those are not the things that, yes, those are not the things that you'll be thinking about. So for me, in all of this journey, like I said, one of my favorite quotes is that of Steve Jobs, the dots don't connect looking forward, but looking backwards. From yes. the very beginning, every past, and I'm, I'm so happy that this is called Stories from Home. I encourage people to tell their stories because what I always tell the young people in my life is God doesn't make mistakes. Every part of our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, somebody asked me, do you have any regrets? And I tell them that not really, you know, of course, as a human being, you should have regrets, but every part of our life is valuable. If you've learned something from an experience and it will prevent somebody else from going through that experience, then you shouldn't have a regret about it. It means that you went through it for that person. Oh my God, that is so true. That is so apt. It reminds me of this verse in the Bible where the the kind apostle Paul was saying that Sometimes we go through certain things so that it is. I'm paraphrasing you now, but he, he was saying yeah. uh, that it is out of the God gives us comfort out of the things that yeah. he has that are faced, so that out of this comfort he gives us, having faced these challenges, we can then yeah. comfort and give comfort others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is that is so true in your in your story. And in what you are saying, and I, I mean, I am grateful for you, Auntie Bichabu. I am, I am grateful for, for the hand of God in your life. I know that you have had to go through so much. There, there, there have been times 
that times that have been super difficult to to even think about but your god has been so faithful we we, mm. we can testify today of the grace of god in your life and i really love the fact that you speak so so passionately about grace talking about having been fortified by you know I, and it, it, it's something i can share and bear witness to um, in fact, my, my I, I talk a lot about the validity of God's grace, the fact that it is so real, so present, so able to keep. It us is tangible. It yes. is tangible. Yes, it, it absolutely is. Thank you so much, Auntie Bateba, for taking the time to share of your journey and your experiences with us. Uh, Thank you, Amoni, and I'm absolutely proud of you for this platform. If in any way the stories that are told on this platform can touch someone and touch the person for eternity, then, you know, it's been all worth the while. You know, like I said, it's for me, it's a privilege, you know, and a rare honor to be on this platform. And my prayer is that, you know, at least one part of the story, even if it's a word, would have been able to build somebody's faith or give somebody encouragement or hope, you know, then yeah. it would have been worth everything that I have gone through. Thank you, Auntie. Thank you. Thank you for being a blessing. God bless you deeply and truly in Jesus. God bless you, Auntie, for having me. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. And talk to you soon. God bless you. And bye. Bye bye.